And welcome back to the MMCast, Masters of Modern Podcast. I am your host, Alex Kessler, with my co-host, Ben, the boss. Now I get to kind of say it to make fun of him, Bateman. <laughs> yes, uh, it, it, look, I'll still, I'll still live, live down the boss until the day I die. Um, it is, it is something that has been important in my life. And I'll tell you, there's crossover with movie trivia showdown and the magic stuff and all of it. I've been very fortunate. I was on the road over these last three weeks. I played shows in Columbus, Austin and Denver, and I met Masters of Modern fans. Uh, there was a, there was a number of Masters of Modern fans that, that showed up and bought tickets and I got to hang out with. And it was really incredibly cool to be like, wow, we've done this podcast for eight years together and a lot of these people were like yeah like i used to listen to this and then i got into this and you know like they it's just cool so it's a really cool thing it's special to to have gotten to speak to multiple communities and um i i love it i love i love getting to do this so i'm happy to be back i'm sorry we missed last week as alex mentioned in the pre-show obviously the world has some pretty rough stuff going on right now and sometimes you gotta just push pause you just have to there's just you want to go talk about magic cards but unfortunately the world feels like it's falling apart and uh, nothing to be done. So speaking of which we, we do, uh, please, please encourage everyone. Uh, there's a link below to donate to different causes to help um, deal with the whole Roe v. Wade situation. We really, really appreciate uh, if you can check those out and throw some money in that way. Uh, in fact, uh, don't don't today. Today's an episode where, uh, you know, patrons fine. We did stuff there. You can check that out. In fact, I'm, uh, I think I think the, the right thing to do is maybe just make this week the Patreon early episode uh, will be free um and uh please just check out that if you want uh you have access to it but uh you spend that money on on a um link below uh important charitable cost (laughs) um and then on top of that next week i believe uh i think it's july 10th or july 11th the normal commander stream will be raising money and i will find the name of the actual organization and we can either edit it out or spend this entire time with me looking it up uh, we'll be uh, participating in the We Won't Go Back charity marathon, uh, donating money to the N-A-R-A-L, which is, I think, pronounced Narrow, um, who uh, helps on these causes as well. And that's the link below. Um, so thank you so much, uh, listeners, for taking that moment. And we'll get to the episode. Uh, we did talk on the Patreon pre-show a lot about our fatigue with the um, release schedule of Marvel and uh, Star Wars content and Disney Plus in general and that versus movies and what that feels like. And it does lead very well into today's actual Magic the Gathering subject matter. And that is, is the Wizards release schedule exhausting? Um, Over the last two years, last year, more product was released than every year ever before. Uh, There's like a TikTok video that I have on talking about how in Commander, uh, banning should be happening more regularly, around 3.5 a year, because as a proportion of the ban list, that's how many cards were printed. I think it was over 10,000 new cards were printed in 2021. And this year is currently angling to be a comparable year in release schedule. Um, Just this last month, uh, two sets released, Baldur's Gate, as well as Double Masters. A lot of people feel like Baldur's Gate feels like an afterthought or, or a less successful product release, partially due to the fact that almost the day after um, the pre-release for Baldur's Gate and the command fest started happening, Double Master previews started happening. And on top of that, where Baldur's Gate did, because of the, the, the setting of the set, I think unintentionally, there was a significant lack of reprints. And then Double Master starts previewing basically two weeks later. And Double Masters has some of the best reprint content of all time in a way that almost feels like 
Doc said extortionist kind of could have fit in Baldur's Gate. He's a goblin. There's goblins in Dungeons and Dragons. He's extortionating people on the docks. There are docks in Baldur's Gate. Could have been in the set and would have made total sense. It kind of feels like it kind of feels like Double Masters just like dunked on Baldur's Gate pretty hard. What you're getting at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically that. And and I think I think I, I don't necessarily agree with that, but that's definitely the sentiment. And and if you agree with that sentiment, please comment below. Um, but um, that added to just product fatigue and so much content coming out and 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 you know, are is Commander the focus? Is Standard the focus? Not even counting the fact that as soon as Baldur Gate's preview stopped, uh, or sorry, as soon as Double Masters previews ended, immediately we went into historic uh, alchemy uh, alchemy previews for for Arena, where wild cards with like there's a six sided card that I review. I refuse to read it. It's here. All six sides of it are in front of us on screen, uh, and I'm not going to read any of them. And then pff, get rid of them. They weren't even up long enough for you to read them. I'm not letting you read that card. <laughs> so yeah, there's so there's definitely a conversation to be had regarding that. We're going to get into a little bit of the uh, potential sentiment, which is like product fatigue, and talk about how this year compares to last year, and then really how that prepare, compares to Magic's history, like what it was like in the days of yore, and why this feels so different. Uh, why players feel so challenged by it. And then the bigger part of the episode, which will be the second half, we're going to get into some previews surrounding Double Masters. As Alex mentioned, one of the most incredible uh, reprint sets of all time, like a really high, high price, but also high value in the packs. There's like a $1,400 card in this set. It's nuts. It's like, there's like so much to, that's that's crazy. That's insane. You can open a pack of this and you can open over $1,000 worth of uh, paper, you know, Priced value or whatever. So um, we're going to get into all of that. But a quick aside, we are brought to you guys by Channel Fireball. We're happy to be on the site. We're happy to be here to be hosted. Um, we have an affiliate link. Uh, Alex, I saw you bought some cards with our affiliate link. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. It was like uh, double dipping, uh, double dipping into the. Specific, you know, of today's, a few of the cards. And then there's like a background that whenever your commander something happens, you mill two cards or you like surveil. Sick. I'm, I'm excited. So we are very uh, grateful to be here and uh, thank you so much to channel for, for hosting us and be sure to use that affiliate link if you guys do ever want to buy cards and the cards we talk about. Um, that's, uh, that's a big part. We mentioned Patreon. Awesome. There's a lot of features if you like want to check it out. It, it, if it, It's not like the old days of Channel Fireball where it was like, you know, just a Star City Games competitor. They were, they're much more comparable to a TCG player so you can get really good deals. They have a bunch of different cards on their store uh, and, and definitely recommend it out. And if you're a seller, I also recommend trying to sell on Channel Fireball as well. It's a great location and we're there. That's where you can find our podcast there and on YouTube and podcast apps, wherever podcast apps are sold. I think Indeed. it's the Apple App Store <laughs> or the Android App Store, not to exclude Android phone users. <laughs> so what we usually like to do when we start the episode is there's this trivia game we play where Alex is going to ask me a trivia question and I'm going to hem and I'm going to haw. I'm going to haw and then I'm going to hem and I'm going to sit here trying to remember the name of a card he's asking about or the, or the answer. And if you know the answer to the question when he asks it, make sure you comment below. I'm going to give you a few seconds of head start. Uh, and if you don't know the answer, you get it wrong. You have to like and comment on the video. Um, and that's how the game works. And I put Alex on the spot. I don't know if he's ready for his trivia question. Or maybe he is. I don't know. I can do this. Uh, I have to grab him really quick. Oh, and, a big, and, a big, and actually, a big shout uh, to our editor, Rick Scharnhorst, who was at my show in Austin, who I met. Um, and it was awesome. I, I got to meet uh, Rick and his lady. They came to the show. And they were such sweethearts. And they were really supportive. And I got to hang with them a bit after the show. And it was awesome. So 
um, obviously, you know, thank you so much for editing and working on the show. And then it was great to meet you in person. So thanks for being there. All right. Here's a trivia question. Liliana. Famous planeswalker in Magic the Gathering made a deal for eternal life with four demons. All four demons have had printed cards. Famously, one of them is Grizzlebrand. Now, can you name the other three demons that Liliana made a contract with? No. (laughs) Uh, These are all these are all legendary demons. Uh, They all cost uh, at least six mana, but uh, or or more. Um, One of them is Grizzlebrand. They're all named. They are all named. Uh, I can even give you, uh, I believe uh, one of them uh, was uh, printed in a corset. Uh, another one was printed on Amonkhet. Uh, a third one was printed on Innistrad. And I believe the last of them, uh, I need to look up where they were printed. No idea. <laughs> I can't. I, if you literally had asked, can you name one of them? And I had said Grizzlebrand, I would have been proud of myself. Um Oh, Dominaria. The fourth was on Dominaria. All demons. They're like legendary demons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll like if you can name two. I would. I would give you. I'd give it to you. <laughs> I can't name. I can't name one of them. I can't okay. name one of them. All right. All right. You want me? Are you? Are you ready? Are we? I, I chat. I guess we should delay a little bit because they need to be able to type all of these words down. There's. This was a. This was a dirty question. This was like. I bet. I bet we have a ton of comments where people get it right. Maybe <laughs> it's Stupid. always like one of the things that like, like we've had episodes where you're like, oh, no one cares about story. No one knows any of this. This is unknowable <laughs> knowledge. Everyone's like, it's like when we did our trivia show in Vegas, there was a lot of questions like, no, people know, know what that is. And you're like, no, no one. That's not a real thing. And I'm like, I think right, right, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to okay. I'm just be, just because I've already acknowledged that I don't know the answer. Sure. Um, I am going to look up legendary demon type creature okay i'll give you even a bigger hint you can put mono black they're all mono black color black only all right there are 20 options here i'm gonna see if i can i'm gonna see now that i can now that i can see this i'm gonna see which ones seem like they make the most sense i'm gonna guess razaketh the foul-blooded yep that's one of them i'm gonna guess obnixilis no no, really? I was like sure of that. That like made that was like a slam dunk. All right. Uh so no get up Nixless. Him, him and Nahiri don't get along. <laughs> uh Belzenok? Yep. Bel, Bel uh, Demon Bel- Lord Belzenlock is one of them. Belzenlock. Uh the last one. Villis, Broker of Blood. No. Sorry. Stupid. It's uh, <laughs> do you want me to give you the last one? Useless. Yeah, sure. It's Cothaped, the soul hoarder. So it is Cothaped, the soul Lord Belzenok, Cothaped, the soul hoarder, Demon Lord Belzenok, Razaketh, the foul blooded, and Grizzlebrand. Anybody, who, got all the four of those? Anybody who, who was able to name the other three, congratulations. You're, you're much smarter than I. I, I, I. <laughs> Wish I could ask Alex a question he would lose on the spot, but I, I I'm not even I'm not even good enough to do that tastefully, so I'll accept defeat. <laughs> uh, 
I will like the, I will what's like the this card video number on Season Pyromancer and specifically Double Masters Two. <laughs> All right, so let's, so let's talk a little bit about the subject at hand here. So um, we obviously, yeah, I was going to say we've both played Magic for a long time. Um, I mean, you've been playing Magic basically, I think, since like 2009, just give or take. Yeah. But I've been playing Magic on and off since 1995. Um, I've taken chunks of time off, so more time than you, but not that much more time overall because I've taken years off. And, you know, for the longest time, I mean, really, once Magic hit its stride in terms of, you know, its major release schedule combined with core sets, I would argue from like 1998 to like 2000. No, nine. It was a pretty consistent release schedule. They'd mix around sometimes the core set, and sometimes it would be blocks versus single sets or two set blocks or whatever. But like they didn't really start pushing out massive additional product until around 2010. That's that's when you start getting commander sets. That's when things like Arch Enemy and Plane Chase and Battle Bond and Jumpstart and premium sets like mass like modern masters you know any kind of master sets i mean we've had like i don't know how many of nine now or something 10 the first one didn't get printed until 2013 like it did not exist before that so specifically with master set the one of the key features of master sets is that they are not printed to demand they're printed at a specific rate and then and then if it sells out it sells out they've done a few sets like that that aren't master sets so for instance the original un the not the original unsets but the un un uh, unstable was printed in a similar way. They did two print runs because they were hopeful, but it was not a um uh uh they weren't like going into production on it the same way they were doing like basic standard release sets or even promo draft sets. But yeah, so so but your point your point stands right. Like there has been the the back in the day there was the four main sets plus one specialty set a year, maybe plus uh, a few different special products, like two dual decks a year, one premium foil series, one from the vaults, you know, and, and dual decks that would happen now, you know, some of it is unfair. Cause like, I think a lot of people are looking at like, there's four commander sets a year now without re- also realizing that there's no more starter decks, like starter decks as a product right. have been discontinued as have dual decks as have, some of these other decks we've mentioned, like Commander Product has replaced the intro to Magic as a as a way of playing than anything else, which I think has been really great. I think that's one of the reasons Magic has grown so much um, the, uh, to kind of continue that there. They were printing like four types of packs up until this year, which were set boosters draft, which is a whole new thing that I want to talk about. But collector boosters, draft boosters and set boosters those are three main ones people know. But then there were also uh, not intro boosters, but they basically were like booster product for new players that were th- called theme boosters and those have now been discontinued they were meant to be kind of like introductory product for new players realizing that they kind of wanted to open packs those are being replaced with jumpstart packs Got so it. moving from the brothers were on i believe that there will be a jumpstart set every year and that jumpstart set will start becoming the new intro which i think is also a genius idea because i think other than commander jumpstart is one of the best ways to introduce new players to magic because there's no deck building, but you do feel like you have some control because you get to choose like two tribes that shuffle up together. It's really quick to get started to get a limited experience without any of the difficulty of sealed where you have to build a deck with too many cards or draft where like it, you know, draft is considered one of the most difficult ways to, to, to start magic. So uh, I do think like as things are being added, they are removing stuff. But one thing you didn't mention that we are getting also on top of all of this is secret layers. So on top of, 
all of the sets that came out last year, they also introduced secret layers in a really big way. Now adding brand new stuff from the Stranger Things cards to the Walking Dead cards the year before that. This year we have the Street Fighter cards and we're going to get more cards later this year. So it is it is a lot. Um, and just think, this year, I was going to say, I think the reason it's happening to just like in case anybody who's listening at this point is sort of like, why are things so different than they used to be just from like a holistic perspective? I think the difference is that magic has shifted its focus to a different model where like it really just used to be type two, which was standard, which is what packs were printed to do. You'd, you'd draft or you would like use your standard cards like that was magic. I mean, the whole entire game existed to be that commander didn't even get widely adopted as a public format until just about a decade ago, a little more than like it was became something that was even acknowledged by wizards. We're now at a point where. Modern is a massive format. Legacy is a massive format. Commander is the biggest format. Limited is something that is as popular as standard. Standard is not even really something people want to do. And then the collectible aspect, because of Commander being as popular as it is, is as significant as anything else. They have to figure out ways to cater product to all of those things. Plus, they continue to have to make product to encourage new players to know how to get into playing Magic. But getting into playing Magic, it's not as simple as it used to be. Buy packs, play standard, or draft. That's that was the model. You could just encourage people to do that. Now, if you get people into magic to start playing, there's a plethora of different avenues. Plus, there's the digital aspect. I mean, there's so many places they have to focus on development now. But I, but I do think I do think getting into magic is easier than it's ever been before. Right before you were like, oh, there's these only these four entryways of getting in the magic and they're all tournament play and I have to be good. Now you can start with a commander deck, a precon commander deck off the deck lets you play magic immediately. You can start with two jumpstart packs or four jumpstart packs. You and a friend play and now you that's that's a whole automatically getting out of the, to play experience for relatively low cost. You can start on arena, which is free to play. And when you're first starting out, there's no reason to spend money. on it. You can start with. You know, or you can start in any of the original avenues, right? You could still start playing standard. You could still start going to a draft or a sealed at a pre-release, etc. And I think that's that's one of the reasons that Magic has grown so massively over the last four years in a player base is because Wizards stopped focusing just on standard players and started creating product for a bunch of different markets, which is what we're seeing, right? Like if you're a standard player or even a modern player. You don't have to care about Baldur's Gate. You really don't have to care about Double Masters. That's, I think, my one big disagreement with the kind of the release schedule complaints over the last month is both of these sets have different demographics, technically. Uh, and uh, secondarily, neither of them are necessary at all. Yeah, you don't have to. You could you could play most of the major formats of Magic without ever looking at a card from Double Masters 2 or Baldur's Gate. Now, if you play Commander, those cards will show up in games at some point, but you don't need them. Commander does not require you to play with a single card. So there's no requirement to own cards from either of those sets. They're not, maybe if you're a Legacy player, I'm sorry, Legacy and Vintage players and the soon to be extremely popular uh, West Coast Highlander slash Cowboy Highlander. Hollywood Highlander. Cowboy Singleton. Uh, <laughs> you like, I don't like Cowboy. You're the only person that likes Cowboy. I, I don't know. We've got positive counters on Cowboy. Oh, Go look at the bit, that video. We got comments. Uh, <laughs> so, so the the number of so like yes, they've kind of blown up each other. And there's a lot of points being made that like right now, Baldur's Gate cards are a good thing to buy into because they're really undervalued. And there's a ton of them that like 
are going to be commander format defining like backgrounds are really strong in any partner deck i'm going to add some of them to the multiple partner decks that i own because having that effect on two different creatures is like not how they were balanced um there's like displacer kitten and there's the new weird eel but whatever so we, i don't we don't need to do a review on that on the modern podcast but my point is if you're a modern player none of these cards matter literally like one of the problems we've had over the last four weeks is like oh normally this is a season where we're doing like modern horizon reviews and it's modern tournament season and it's not modern tournament season and there's no product coming out that is modern legal until uh dominaria united which happens in uh september and also which is the, yeah, add to that the fact that the impact of two horizon sets over the last four years has meant that power level in modern is so high now that a standard set really almost can't compete you can end up with like you can end up with like a marquee card like you're able to end up with like a marquee single card like if they print a good removal spell or a good counter spell or like an interesting cheap creature but like the impact of a standard set's gonna have one two cards i mean maybe at best it's just like you're competing with prismatic ending and ragavan you're competing with things that are so there's like six cards from from Noob Capenna that are seeing decent modern play, right? And like uh like at least three that are like top tier cards. There's like Ledger Shredder, there's the blue black looting card, um, there's some of the removal stuff. Not not to mention the lands, right? Like whenever a new land cycle, but that's like yeah, cheating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kamigawa, Kamigawa had a ton of like really powerful cards that have seen modern play. Um Vow didn't, but uh midnight hunt did um so i i don't i I think and that's normal i think like that's the normal rate like three to five the eldrain to icoria pipe or the war of the spark to icoria pipeline of gas into gas into gas i think was a mistake not a mistake but uh like was too high so i don't i don't think this rate is too low but i think there's another thing that's happening that is a little bit more forgivable and this is something that we are experts on, uh, which is shipping constraints right now are uh, insane. So, for instance, literally two days ago, uh, it was announced that um, the uh, Warhammer 40K commander sets that were supposed to come out this summer are not coming out until late October. Uh, Infinity, which was originally supposed to come out in April, is also not coming out until uh, late October. <laughs> and it's like, it's like from our perspective, which is so funny because we don't talk about like the specifics on here really very often, but like our awareness of delays and like from our competitors to like just our relationships to factories mm-hmm. and like what it actually means to be like our product is supposed to launch here. And it's like, Oh, you're not going to have it for another 10 weeks. And it's like, everybody gets mad. Everybody gets mad. <laughs> everybody on every level gets mad. And it's like, who does what and explains and blames. And it's like, Wizards pushing back the release of a product by two or three months is so massive. But on our level, it's like, yeah. So, so I want, I kind of want to get into that. So, so for people who don't understand, um, COVID caused a few things to happen, which we're all dealing with. One of them though, is extreme large, extreme amounts of shipping constraints. One of that was because already before COVID, uh, this was already a strained part of the economy. Uh, there was already a trucker shortage, the labor, uh, available at the ports was already suffering and due to covid and people not spending their money on vacations or trips or whatever and also the influx of cash uh from the u.s government and and in every country more than the u.s by such large margins um the amount of product that people bought was record-breaking like unfathomably large amounts of product um all that product comes from for the most part overseas especially in the u.s and 
at one point there wasn't enough containers that existed to be able to get product across the ocean. And so that's the first shipping constraint that happened. And then this all dominoes. So, so at first, like people couldn't get containers often once product gets to the port, one of the ways that they uh, streamline that process is literally that container gets taken unopened from the port and put onto a train. And then that train ships it or a truck, if it's a more expensive, ships it somewhere else in the country. And then that's when they unpack the container and, and move the product out of it. Containers are big metal boxes that they put on big ships. <laughs> They're normally either 20 or 40 foot. Um, those containers um, didn't exist anymore. So now they, because the container companies, the ones that own it, weren't willing to let them go across the country, which would could take months to get them back. They had to unpack them in Long Beach or whatever port they're at. That added such a big strain on top of the already strained issue of there's not being enough containers that it locked the ports down to the extent that hundreds of boats were on the shore of Long Beach, which I know everyone has heard of. Because at the same time, labor shortages, COVID also is happening. So like extra layers of that because people were being safe and not able to go to go to work then at the layer that like a lot of countries shut down their manufacturing at that same time because of covid and there are parts there's like base levels of industry so chip manufacturing for like computer chips is a part of this that like they make so much product that the machines are so massive that's so automated but by turning it off it now takes six months to turn that machine back on once it's off. Like if it was running, it would be fine. But once you turn it off, it's no longer functioning and it won't for a while. And so that happened, creating product shortages. So all this is happening. This is why things are costing so much in the world. But and and, and, and well, also one more thing, just just because you didn't mention this, 20 foot and 40 foot containers that you are having to get your stuff on, you have to book those containers. It's your job to book them and rent them essentially to get your product into them. Now, normally... Let's say the cost is $1 to rent a container of 40 feet to get all of your product in to get it across the water. Now, all of a sudden, they're like, well, we know you need it. So we're going to cost you $6 to rent this yeah, container. It went, it, went from, and, it went from average between two dollars to $5,000 a container to the average of twenty five dollars to $30,000 a container. So now you're in a situation where you're like, well, I've quoted this price on my product to the customer and to the stores. This is it's Wizards. Like, to get it here at the time, I thought... But now they want six times as much. Well, I can't adjust my product. I can't adjust my retail. I can't adjust the cost. So my options are to either bite the bullet and lose the money or delay two months, three months until I can get it for a more reasonable price. And the person who's going to foot that is the customer who gets their product three to five months late. Well, and, and, and it's not even that. So if you had product that was on a ship in Long Beach that landed in November of 2019 or not 2019, 2020 or 2021, especially in 2020, it did not clear Long Beach for three months. So if you were relying on product, now Wizards of the Coast for its standard release sets, for the most part, anything that comes in a booster pack, a portion of that is made domestically, which is one of the reasons that this hasn't hit every single product launch they're doing, but a lot of their non-domestic manufactured products are the ones getting hit, like the Warhammer product and like um, Infinity. So, so that's what's causing these delays. And that creates this weird moment where like we're leaving double masters, which is a relatively going to be a relatively underpurchased set, right? Like a uh, uh, double masters, not underpurchased. There's not going to be a lot of it because it's a limited release set. And we're going to go into two months, July and August, where there's not going to be another product release other than Baldur's Gate and double masters until September 9th. So 
this is going to be the weirdest gap of product releases because Infinity was supposed to come out next month. So and Warhammer was also supposed to come out next month. But because they're moved to October, we're now going to go into this like everyone's complaining right now. And it's one of the things that's unfathomable to me. Like the only thing I can think of then is that retailers kind of pushed for it. Why is Double Masters not delayed a month? It's true. I mean, they could have just done that, right? They had nothing in July. There's no product coming out for the next eight weeks, really 12 weeks, really, really 10 weeks from Baldur's Gate. Why not delay it four weeks so that you like, especially with Command Fest happening right now, and every Command Fest is supposed to be like a Baldur's Gate limited event, technically. Like these are all the reason they announced eight. Command Fests that all started coming out the week that Baldur's Gate became an opening product was because it be, they, they were they were Command Fests they were Baldur's Gate limited GPs right that's what we're that's what we were looking at they like realized we have a lot of this product they maybe knew it was a little underpowered or they maybe were a little worried about the excitement or were interested in making live events that Commander and Dungeons and Dragons players could both go to though the fact that there's no Dungeons there's no Dungeons and Dragons content at these things is like unfathomable to me but that's so, like yeah, crazy so, it's like that's insane <laughs> like i don't understand why they don't have like they haven't paid dimension 20 and critical role content to like be made at these events or like paid even like it boggles my mind that none of these people were like oh yeah why don't we just like have ruben bressler and um and like other people that are known for making uh, D&D content. It's a freaking yeah, D&D, D&D set. Joe has I mean, a D&D set show. Um, yeah, there's there's so many people that I think they could have had. I'm like, like Freddie. Oh. You could have like Freddie and Beth May with the Dungeons and Daddies, that crew. You could have had them go out. Like there's there's, there's so well, like there's there's the Dungeons and Dragons, right? There's the Dimension 20 kind of side of stuff. Then there's the magic content creators that also make Dungeons and Dragons content shows at the same time, people. And I don't understand why they're not like being paid a minimal amount of money to like just put on a live show at these things or like to yeah. run Dungeons and Dragons content at these shows um, break b- breaks my mind. I like, I like don't understand. Like I would, I would love to see uh, Michelle Rapp run a Dungeons and Dragons live campaign at magic 30th personally. Oh, dude, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm like so excited for magic 30th. I like, that's a whole other thing. That's, that's a whole other conversation. I'm so hyped for it, but yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get to that later. Uh, but so, so I, I do think that there's a little bit of a, like COVID caused the schedule of this month to be weird, but also like on the other side, wizards, you had a gap that you could have waited to release double masters for. And I honestly think part of it is that double masters one just did. Okay. It was one of the it, least, one was least, it was definitely one of the least exciting sets. I feel like, there's a little bit of revisionist history now with the way that we look back at these master sets um, because some of them have gone up in price and the way they're perceived now based on the cards involved is different. Like I think eternal masters is probably the best example of this where I feel like when it came out, it was like medium exciting, it was well, pretty exciting. And now it's considered to be a very valuable set. So it's regarded as better than I think it was at the time. Also, Double Masters 1 came out in 2020. So, like, it's not like that set came out in a moment where people could draft it. So, part of this also feels, some of this content feels like, this is us redoing 2020. (laughs) Uh, Here's new content, like like Commander Legends, where it's like, yes, this was really successful for us, but it came out at a time where people couldn't draft it. Like, I, I didn't draft Commander Legends in period until, like, nine months later. And... 
Baldur's Gate would be the first time you get to do that. I also haven't drafted Baldur's Gate yet, but that has more to do with having a new child and not doing anything. <laughs> How many premium <laughs> master sets have they made now? I mean, like you've got uh, three, you have three modern masters, you have eternal, iconic, ultimate, double, double two. Um, you, I guess the two horizon sets are technically master sets. They're the new set. I mean, yeah, there's reprints in there though. So I'd still call them the two horizons make it 10. There's been 14. Uh, what? There's been 14 non-digital 14? ones. I what are the, what are the so four I'm missing? You have um, uh, oh no, 13. So you have double masters, double masters, two. You have eternal masters, three. Yep. You, you have iconic masters, four. You have uh, masters, uh, 25. Oh, yeah. Masters, 25. Forgot about that one. Six. Uh, you have um, modern masters, one, two, and three. Yep. Pioneer. Uh, not pioneer. Uh, uh, Time Spy remastered, Ultimate right. Masters, Vintage Masters. So you don't. So the digital ones are Masters Editions one, two, three, and four. Pioneer Mastered, Remastered, Tempest Remastered, and some other ones. So that that that's why it's a little hard. But um, right, the ones I forgot were Time Spiral and twenty five. So I mean, it's there, there's been a good there's been a good healthy number now, and it's arguable. Oh, and Commander Legends is basically a master set as well. I mean so many words well, no, no, no commander legends aren't they're more closer to modern horizons for sure like i think i think that's something that do to separate right conspiracy conspiracy battle bond uh commander legends and modern horizons are all to me a different type of set than like basically wizards has three types of sets at this point right you have standard sets you have um remat you have master sets you have uh, supplementary sets, right? Premium, because that, that yeah, also premium and stable content, and, yeah. and soon to be Unfinity, which will have cards that are legal in Black Border. Um, I think those are like the real, real three main booster product limited formats. Because you also have like, you can get nitpicky here um, with like, is is Time Spout Remastered a master set or is Time Spout Remastered something different? Uh, like yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. is double feature. What is double feature? I don't know. It's nothing, something they're not going to do again because it was a disaster. But that, right, right. that, that does, I do want to like kind of go through just talking about like how people feel about too much product being printed. This is the amount of product that is being printed this year. In January, you had Innistrad double feature. You had uh, Commander Collection Black, which I think is a, is a, is not a fair one. So, so Innistrad double feature, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, Streets of New Capenna, Commander Legends of Baldur's Gate, Double Masters 2022, Dominaria United, Unfinity, The Brothers War, Jumpstart 2022, Universes Beyond 40K. 11 sets. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't include the fact that each of those sets has a commander set attached to it, has a commander, a set of commander decks attached to it, at least two, often four, sometimes five. <laughs> uh, many of them, that doesn't include any of the secret layers. It doesn't include Street Fighter. It doesn't include Fortnite. It doesn't include the fact that literally in right before this, we had two standard sets with Val and Midnight Hunt. It doesn't include the fact that we also had the arcane secret layer that came out just before that. Not to mean all the other, there's like secret layers all the time. I mean, think about it from the perspective of in the classic release schedule, old magic, the way it would work would be you have preview week one, you would have preview week two, at the end of preview week two, they'd release the full spoiler on the Monday following mm -hmm. and pre-release would be on week three. 
and then the full set would come out the following week on week four. So you'd have a from from preview week one to release, you'd have roughly four weeks. It'd be about a month. And what that means is that with eleven sets in twelve months, and I know they're not coming out this way, they don't all they don't have pre they don't all have pre releases. You're basically dealing with four and a half weeks release time on a set, um, about a little less than even four weeks and four days release time on a set before the next one starts this preview season. Like set comes out, and then a couple days after the set comes out, you start preview season on the next set. That's like that's a basically what the model right now is um, in terms of average release. It's not even. <laughs> Like we cover magic sets weekly. We talk about them every week. We look at every preview. We're hyper aware of the cards. And if you were to ask me, like, what's your trivia knowledge awareness of magic sets and magic cards two years ago versus like like the history of magic up until 2020 versus including 2020? I feel like my accuracy would be 90% lower if you include the last two years. It's so much stuff. There are so many cards, so many products. I don't I do even feel like I know what most of them do. Like when I look at databases, trying to build decks, I come across stuff now that I just never even heard of. I, I do think last year is an anomaly. And, I, and when I say this, I mean, there's no corset this year. I think that's a big deal. People are not like thinking about. And when I say that, I think someone did math and, and there's a reason. So like historically, there's always kind of been like a, Oh, why is there a weird Japanese promo focus in the spring set this year there wasn't though kamigawa was right before it so that's it's a little bit different but th- like before that it was um at strixhaven they had the japanese specific um uh uh spell you know b- bonus cards that america had different ones than and japan japanese cards had different art the, the year before that or whatever it was called the- uh yeah i'm forgetting what mystical archive uh yes. the mystical archive the the year before that you had uh the the war of the spark japanese planeswalkers the year Sorry, the year before that, you had Godzilla promos in Ikoria. The year before that, you had the Japanese Planeswalkers. And then what we what was kind of discovered was, oh, in Japan, schools go back to school in the spring. <laughs> right. That's when they start their school year over again. And in the, and I think that thought has then been extrapolated on where like summer camp and summers are no longer the time that kids are playing magic. It's no longer like the moment. Wizards is no longer at the point where it's like, oh, we're relying on kids going to summer camp for the first time and bringing the new magic cards they got to teach the other kids they met at camp how to play magic so that we can spread the game of magic through word of mouth at camps where people from different parts of the country get to hang out when they rarely get to do that. Now it's like, oh, no, just let's release these during the fall. And and I think I think part of it is in the last three years, there's been a lot of complaints like there's too much summer product right between a commander set release a master set release, a weird draft format like Horizons or Battle Bond or Conspiracy, plus a core set, plus whatever cool weird product they're coming out in August. Now, this is almost an overreach. Like right now, the summer feels almost empty now moving forward. Like they put everything in June and now we have two months with no new magic product. And then now there's two there's two sets per fall, right? We now have both. <laughs> so everything's delayed, yeah. Well, uh, and I don't think like like the the because because yes you have the the infinity which i think that's like the big miss right infinity was supposed to be in july warhammer was supposed to be the summer and that was like the plan uh where it was going to be like a bunch of weird sets and commander legends was going to be the core set but they decided to make it a commander set and blah 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 but i do think like i think we are no longer getting core sets over the summer i think moving forward 
fall is going to have two sets. It'll have Crimson, Crimson, uh, Vow, and Midnight Hunt. You're going to have Dominaria, United, and the Brothers War. And that's the new normal as Wizards moves into the future. And, and, and that does mean like right now, standard rotation is still the same, right? Like there's only four sets in standard from this year. And last year there were four sets. So when rotation happens, there's still four sets leaving. But that's yeah. going to have to continue forever. <laughs> I feel like the I think the biggest difference right now in release schedule and perception from a Magic player is that the standard sets are so outpaced in terms of the number of sets that come out around them. They don't feel like they don't feel like the premier Magic sets anymore. They don't they don't it doesn't feel like they matter or stand out in a way that is significant compared to the others. And that makes you don't like think com- you don't think com- I feel like Kamigawa and New Capenna felt bigger than Baldur's Gate did. Yeah, ish. I mean, we talk about them more. We we dignify them on here. So like we break the cards down more completely because they relate to modern. I can tell you that like Baldur's Gate were a little less, uh, you know, custom talking or like reprint sets. But I don't think there's a tremendous amount of hype surrounding standard sets at the moment. I think like, you know, I think there's like some I, I think people care. I just think standard is not something people care about. I don't I can't tell you the last time I had a conversation with somebody where they were like, this is what I'm playing in standard. What do you think? Like, I cannot tell you. I, I don't know when it was. Sure. But I have I have gone that with for Pioneer and I've definitely gone on it for modern. Right. Like, I think like. Yeah, but I mean, the sets that print into those well, because like Baldur's Gate doesn't print into that. Right. And and those sets also really matter for Commander. Like there's a ton of new commanders off of off of New Capanna, yeah. as is Kamigawa. I, I like I don't know if I agree that the standard set releases don't matter anymore, though. I do think they like like Kamigawa ended and then there's like preview season two weeks later for the next set. And then two weeks later, there was yeah. preview season for for uh, uh, New Capanna. And then in between those, like on the off weeks, there is a secret layer announcement. So it's like right, really right. hard to not just always have magic content being previewed, um, which is I do think is part of that exhaustion. Um, there is also something I read that. Um, and this might be a rumor and, 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 and I don't have the source for it, but uh, that from a financial perspective, all Wizards really cares about is LGSs and distributors buying product. And the moment sure. that happens is during the preview season. And so they care more about the hype train, which they should. Right. The point, you know, that, 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 that but the focus on that hype train is almost more valuable to corporate than necessarily like POS on the packs post fact, especially when like most of the time it's successful, right? Like the, the duds in regards to now th- this does feel rumory because like, I do think like, I don't think wizards want like wizards is not trying to have like Baldur's gate be under, underappreciated <laughs> and right, overshadowed right, right. by double masters. I think they have heard this message, have learned the message and they won't ever have these two types of sets be this close together. Um, are they going to try their best to not have this kind of be the case uh, now with shipping constraints being a big caveat to that? Because I do think that's going to happen. But I do think I think like I think they realize they get to tell bigger stories if they release two sets in the fall. If they just released their two standard products that previously were the summer and the fall and felt more disjointed. Now they get to do, you know, Midnight and Crimson Vow were kind of a mini block and Dominaria United and then a flashback to Brothers War and Dominaria is going to be a mini block. And then my guess is we go to two new sets. The following year, we go to probably a new plane for one of them and maybe a revisit for the other one. Uh, and then we have a summer where there's like a cool product. We get Conspiracy 3 
or I don't know. We know what we're getting. Sorry. We know it's Lord of the Rings. We're going to have a next summer is going to be the summer of Lord of the Rings um, uh, horizons. It's going to be a modern base set. There's going to be some modern tournaments and command fest tournaments that happen at the same time to support the Lord of the Rings thing. Wizards, hopefully this time we'll learn their lesson and we'll fly the actors (laughs) from the movie Lord of the Rings to these. (laughs) And then, and then we're going to go to fall and it's going to be new Phyrexia and we're going to go to return to new Phyrexia. And then it'll be return to new Phyrexia show how it's doing. And then it'll be like war of Phyrexia and it'll be the, the next end game Avengers end game story moment. And then that'll be an, and probably we'll set up new villains. We'll Oka will show up and steal the you know Elish Norn's crown, and we'll yeah, playing with it. And I do think Oko is the next big bad. That's my shot. That's my shot call in the dark. Is you call, uh, yeah, you call you've already you called it before. You've called it before, but yeah, yeah. Well, you know, got to keep saying it so that when it happens, we're like, oh yeah, Alex said it. Uh, Oko is the next villain. Um, you don't you don't take a card like that, who is the most broken thing ever, and not run with it. So. Yeah, and uh, and it's hard. I think I think like content creators also get burnt out, and this yeah, is something right. that like like I do think it's important as a content creator to find niches in content. A, I think if you're going to find success on the internet, that's you have to do that. Find your niche. <laughs> yep. uh, otherwise, you're going to like just be competing with a bunch of like. Don't start a Star Wars podcast, but I bet if you started a like pod racing specialist podcast that only reviews pod racing content that exists you right, would do right, better right. than if you did a general two guys talking about star wars um and which is i don't you know I, I, a a star wars sports podcast that plays like star wars sports and then goes over things is actually like a genius idea and <laughs> if anyone runs into one of my royalties um but uh or at least let me be a guest <laughs> but um i do think that for a content creator perspective, you should skip some of this <laughs> unless you don't, unless you need it. Right. Like I'm not going to lie. There are times we do this podcast. Where I'm like, Oh no, I don't have anything. I guess Baldur's gate is out. Let's review it. Uh, originally today's episode was going to be just a double masters review. Instead, I realized I wanted to talk and about this. And this was a wider conversation that was more interesting than just like these cards are great that they got reprinted. We're still going to have a little bit of that conversation, but we got to well, have, I, think a- I was actually remembering that two weeks ago, we like started to have that conversation. We did the like small touch on version already. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I actually don't think we will do any of that on this episode. I think we perhaps we'll save that and do, if we want to do an episode, we'll do a full episode next week. Cause I actually think we already did the preview touch on one. I don't think it's necessary. Yeah, honestly, I think the, mo- the more interesting conversation around double masters anyways, which I don't think we're prepared for is, uh, is a, is a artisan and, uh, is an artisan review for it. Just from a like, because there's so many downshifted cards. Yeah, right. There's so many cards like were rare and are now not rare. Uh, Examples like Mentor of the Meek. And I think that as a conversation could be really, really fun Um, versus like. There's there's another conversation that's like an MTG finance one. I'd want a guest for it to like do a like, which card should you buy from this set once they're all reprinted? Sure. Which maybe is what we do next week, or maybe we do a little bit of both. So yeah, but yeah, as far as as far as like double masters responses, these cards are insane. It's also insane that they made the collector boosters only have four packs in them. <laughs> it's three hundred dollars for them. It's insane. Yeah. It's like that's the most bonkers. Yeah, it's it's a bonkers price point. I also think that like 
Okay, here's a hot take. Uh, this set sold out almost instantly. And with that in mind, they undercharged. Now, do I think they should put this much reprint value into one set versus spreading some of it to Baldur's Gate? No. Uh, I think that like, I think if you're going to do a set like Baldur's Gate moving forward, you need to have the repent slot and maybe you find like go through and be like, what are the most valuable cards that we think fit on a Dungeons and Dragons plan? Because so I guess that's that's one piece we haven't talked about that is interesting. I think they also saw and the timeline's a little tight, but I think or they they knew or they had faith that a licensed set carries the product more than power level. So the last and 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 in Dungeons and Dragons in the Forgotten Realms defense, there are a lot of cards in that that I've actually seen quite a bit of play from the lands oh, yeah. to lands, yeah. the spells and that black card that like makes a treasure and you get the draw cards. Like there's like there's actually like very powerful cards in that set, but it was relatively successful on a relatively underhyped power level, especially after the years before that. It it's so, but it it was a set that had a lot of hype behind it and did very well because of people being excited by the combo of Dungeons and Dragons and magic. And I think they maybe relied on that a little bit for Baldur's Gate, not realizing that kind of the like, it's a little quick. I'm so surprised how soon this set is both from a commander legend set and uh, a Baldur's like a Dungeons and Dragons set. Like it's, it's, it is partially because wizards owns the one property and they decided they wanted to do both and it kind of fit perfectly. And they had a window for it. Wasn't commander legends like a year ago. It was a it was a year and a half. So it was it was it was okay. not this last November. It was the November before that. Got um, it. But but same standard rotation. <laughs> right. The cards that Commander Legends were printed on are still in standard. Zendikar is still a standard set. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. So it's, it, it's very quick. <laughs> um, and uh, for Commander Legends reprint. And that's okay. So, so other hot takes that I've seen. So people are like, they shouldn't have called this a commander set, right? This is a, this is a Dungeons and Dragons set by labeling it a commander legend sets. You're expecting commander legends product, but like my understanding is that as a limited format, it's a commander's legend set. Like you play this set the way you play commander legends. If they didn't call it commander legends, but you're supposed to draft it like a commander legend set, that would be weird. If someone said like, Oh, we're doing, uh, Lord of the Rings, definitely not battle bond, but then it was a, a uh, two headed giant limited environment where you're picking two cards per pack in a sure, like, sure. That's, right. Oh, that's Lord of the Rings battle bond. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, I feel like they, they had, yeah, they had to, they had to title it the way that they did for sure. I mean, I also think it's, it's certainly been interesting to watch the way that that set has been perceived and discussed versus the way that double masters has like the, it does, it does feel weird that they would not be as aware of the difference in type because like, mm-hmm. how is one not supposed to dunk on the other? How is it like, how is that supposed to happen? I mean, honestly, even if they had shifted two of the reference, like let's just say Dockside had been in Baldur's Gate instead. Mm-hmm. And let's say, I don't know, one of the other significant, like, bloom tender imperial so, something so, yeah seal will be kind of crazy oh, that's, that's, like hot, that's yeah say what yeah yeah that that maybe is a little too that's a little too, much i think you want to be looking at something that's more like in the 50 you know 50 to 60 dollar range instead of like the 400 dollar range but like yeah let's you could they could have thrown in like grave crawler sure grave crawler they could have thrown in consecrated sphinx there's no reason you can't throw that card in like i don't know if that's dungeons and dragons i don't know how big 
a sphinx are i don't maybe there are i don't know i'm yeah they're not like sure. it, sphinxes and dungeons and dragons are not functionally very similar to sphinxes and magic got it I, so our impervious great worm maybe like like the I don't, yeah, i'm just, like, i'm literally yeah. just looking at the thing but like there yeah, there yeah. was there's a few cards they could have shifted over if they wanted that would have been like cool and interesting and it would have just made Baldur's gate feel a little splashier mm-hmm. it's all they had to do but yeah it, it is it'll it's a little strange i don't know i mean end of the day you're gonna look at 2021 and 2022 and the amount of product and some of these sets unfortunately are just going to be less relevant like they just won't they won't be it's impossible but they well, will be in so so here's my like continuing hot takes <laughs> uh uh which you know if we don't if you have a podcast ben if you have hot <laughs> takes please provide them um I think it was a big mistake to make backgrounds, not have partner. We we've t- you've talked about this before, but now you're making an official on record hot take. Well, I said it before. Like I, I want, I, I, my previous statement was, I don't like the like solitary. I think like one of the things that commander legends did to partner was they opened it up so wide that it no longer, it didn't have the companion problem where there's like, there's four, they're the only playable ones. And so every time you see companion, it's the exact same four. Now, when you see partner, there's like 700 different options. They're all viable. Yes, the two color ones are still pretty good, but they like, it's not just Tinma and um, Thrasios decks, right? You now have sure. a lot of three color decks or whatever, and they're all great. So when you make isolated ones like friends forever, like that limits the decks around them. That makes it more limited. Um, like forever, if I see a friends forever card, it's going to be with another friends forever card, which makes those less exciting to me. I think the more you print, the less of a problem is, but that, that's, that's there with background. It's a different, so that's my starting issue. And that's what I said before. Here's my extra layer to it. One of the reasons commander legends is so hype is because of the fact that so many of the uncommons and commons are backwards compatible with the partner mechanic. And so the amount of decks that came off of that are super fun and viable, but then your brain could also wrap your head around is so cool with background like a large quantity of decks are possible but my like brain can't wrap my head around it they all seem significantly less powerful and like i understand why it would be overpowered to have backgrounds with partner but i almost want to say like imagine how much more hyped people would be if they could do like one of the backgrounds with one of the partners they love already Right. If you had like one of these effects just had said partner and you could have been like, okay, now my favorite partner commander, I'll swap out the secondary color for this background. That's like a cool thing. That's a different effect that like, just, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think there was, I think, I think it's a yeah. missed opportunity. I, like, and, and that's something to say. I think like backgrounds are super powerful. And I think like over time, a lot of these background combos are going to see a lot of play, but I, I, a, I think they're like playing with one is a little bit powered down from a like, commander perspective because the way they designed them was this isn't a partner card this is a modification to the commander that i have and i think it would be cool to let that be applicable to other commanders with partner and i think that people would be more backwardsly compatibly hyped with this set if you could play with them now it could break commander like that's what people are worried about right and they'd have to balance them to make them worse but i think like part of the reason people aren't excited is because they feel like there's nothing super powerful. And that's, you know, that that's my take. I said at the beginning, that's been for a while is like, I would rather wizards print cards that commander needs the ban three cards a year. Uh, Cause that means they printed exciting cards and some of them miss the mark a little bit. Then if they commander never has to ban cards as much as it hurts the CAG and it hurts the RC to have to like get yelled at by nerds wanting <laughs> to not ban things. Uh, like, I think that the like excitement of the format is better when new cards are being printed regularly that are exciting than 
uh, every card is just a boring card or like something right. we've seen I mean, before. Yeah, for sure. We've, we've, we've had that conversation with formats outside of Commander for years. Like the boring sets that Magic, when it gets, when it gets under power, are really boring. They like, they're forgotten quickly. Mm-hmm. And you, you want to push stuff and have stuff beyond the edge of too powerful more than you want to be conservative and have stuff be boring. That's like, I, that's always the story. I don't know where it is, but I recommend I don't know if I recommend this. We have our Ixalan set. Like when it got announced, there's a a podcast episode where I am so extraordinarily hyped for that set. The concept of dinosaurs versus pirates was the dopest thing you could have come up with to me. And I don't care about that set at all. It's like one of, because, yeah, it's one of the worst. It's one of the worst. Level wise, like the blue, the blue double sided card. The legendary dragons are cool. I don't have a dino, but they're like not dragons. Legendary dinosaurs are cool, but they're like very dinosaur-y tribal. And if you're not like doing a dinosaur deck, they're boring. <laughs> all yeah, the like, I, all, all the pirate tribal was like super weak. It was like just not exciting. It was like there's I been, wanted a- like honestly, the coolest thing that Ixalan did for Magic was just open up pirates and dinosaurs as a mechanic that they do in other places. Then in other places, it's been cooler. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. Sure. So so. I, so I, I guess I guess Ben, do you feel exhausted by the Magic release schedule? That's that's really the most important, not the most important question. I also want to know if our listeners feel exhausted. Please comment below. But Ben, what do you think? <laughs> I do think it. Yeah, I do find it to be exhausting. I do think like the old days of four sets a year in the pre premium era was maybe looking back a little. Uh, like I'm a little underserved if I go back to that now for sure. I don't think three standard sets and then one core set is good enough. But I don't know that like, as opposed to 11, you know, I don't know that six is too few. I think like you could realistically have, you could go back to something fairly similar to the old system and you could have one masters or premium level set. And then you could have one like, you know, fancy something, a commander product, something like that. And I think I'm fine at that point. I guess like, you know, a secret layer or from the vault or something that's like a very limited, not very many cards is your seventh. That's probably the ideal is you have a you have a staple four releases like flagship releases that are standard legal. You have a premium set, you have a commander product, and then you have some sort of a a reprint special product. That's probably enough for me. I don't I think we ever realistically need to go past seven. I think that's like you can stagger it in such a way that the biggest ones get their room to breathe. The biggest ones all get, you know, two months minimum. I think that's probably what would be ideal. I think when you get past 9, 10, 11, it's like, I just, because all that happens is the preview season is the only exposure to the cards I have. If I'm busy that month, if it's a busy two months, I'll never even touch the cards in in paper. They'll they'll literally, they'll never even cross my, and then, and then they'll be gone. We'll be on to the next set. And the best case scenario is I'll play some of them in, in like eternal decks over the years and I'll see packs for sale at GPs down the road. And I'll be like, oh yeah, that's that happened. Yeah, I think I think where I'm at is like, I like that they moved the core set and made it like event sets for the fall. I think like we were talking, I think in episodes before how we missed blocks and that gives us a little bit of a block a year, which I think was a great, a great move. I, I, I think I want like, three supplementary sets but i think like one of them should be a master set and a reprint set and it should be far away from one of the other ones one of them should be a like return to one of the fun sets they've done in the past and one of them should be a new fun set right like which is kind of what we got this year we got like a commander legends and an infinity and a double masters but they should be spread out from each other a little bit more I think that Jumpstart being the new core set where it is like the new intro product for players is good. 
Like I think in general, that is a really good thing. Cause I think jumpstart's a great way to intro new players. Uh, it's just going to be weird this year when like no one knows what it is and why it exists. Um, and I think I like that commander product comes out at least as a two set with most sets that don't require factions. I don't know if you need all four. And like, there's always the argument that like secret layers are not per- needed to purchase items. And from a perspective right. that I currently can't purchase them uh, because I have been blocked. <laughs> Why? <laughs> oh, have you, did I tell you this? So oh, I like, no, I do. You did tell me you did. Yeah, tell yeah, me it's that. basically like the way secret layer charges you the first run of it. It's like a, it's a delay. So like, I randomly got a call being like, Hey, did you buy something for $300? And I was, I said, cause I hadn't, I said no. And so they were like, okay, we'll decline the charge. Thank you. And then that was a secret layer that they charged me for. And so like secret layer blacklisted me cause they thought I was like a scammer damning. And so I, and then when I tried talking to them, they just like, didn't help me fix it. So I still can't. Can you like switch the credit card? I tried. I've tried. Like, it's like my IP addresses on my phone and my computer here and at work. Oh, if you give me <laughs> one of the cards in every secret layer, I'll I'll purchase them for you. All right, we can talk. We can talk about podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um. So so yeah. So I I I like. I think I like the release schedule in general. I don't. I. I but I do think it needs to be spread out more correctly and better. How can you spread out eleven sets more correctly? That's too many sets. That you can't spread oh, yeah, them out. There's just only to... twelve months. I said seven. Oh, you... no. I said we, we have the four, the four key standard sets plus three supplemental sets. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. So you're, you're, you're in agreement with me, basically six, seven is the, 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 the sweet spot. Well, but I have commander's product as part of set releases, right? Cause like, Hey, if you buy set booster, you can get the commander cards in the set booster. There are the intro decks. Now, like we didn't complain about intro decks before. They're just cooler and better cards than intro decks. Sure. That's sure. that's the one difference between what you said and I said is I, I think like the competitor set release schedule and jumpstart are now both they're not they're not new sets, they're part of set releases. Jumpstart Dominaria will just be the way that new players get to play magic when Dominaria comes out and 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 or the new core set for the year, or whatever. However it's being scheduled. Is it one a year or one every set? I don't know. But but I also I do get the fatigue and and I do think that there's a level of like people and we've had this conversation a lot too, right? Where it's like, is every product for me? No. Do I have to buy every product? No. But the problem to that is that wizards keeps making cool stuff. Yeah. That's the, right? I think the bigger issue is like, if you know, it's like, it's, it's that same idea that we had when we were talking in the pre-show. And I guess this is my sort of last point. Cause we've been going for a while and I'm getting a little tired, but like, I think my sort of final point here is it's not that I don't love I mean, Disney Plus, the best example. Magic is my mainstay. I have been playing Magic since I was seven years old, right? I've been playing Magic for a, the majority, 75% of my life. Like I, it, more than that, 80% of my life. Like Magic is my whole history. So I love it. I am a super fan to the nines. And if you give me a good product or something to be excited about, I'm going to be hard pressed to not get hyped about it. Want to talk about it, want to play with it, want to buy it. I feel very similarly to the MCU, Star Wars, and Pixar. They're all things that I love dearly. I, I grew up with them. They all mean a lot to me. But at a certain point, if you invest and you invest and you invest your time and you start to get kind of diminishing returns, like you're just not getting quite out of it what you used to, but it just keeps coming and they keep ramping up how much they're giving you. And what you're getting is still pretty cool, but it's a little less each time. Eventually, you just get a little bit less excited about the whole thing in general. It doesn't matter if there's a good thing and a medium thing and a bad thing. 
the whole thing just starts to sh- just stops shining as much. Like there is such thing as fatigue. Like there is such thing as just unfortunately being oversaturated. It happens in every medium. It doesn't matter if somebody's your favorite actor. They release six movies in a year. By the end of that year, you're probably just not going to be as excited about them as you were. They're not going to seem as exciting and special. There, there's a reason DiCaprio does a movie a year, right? Like there's not even now. He has less. There's a reason the biggest movie stars, the biggest directors, they do a very, very, very limited amount of content because they have to have time to hype it. You have to, that conversation, the zeitgeist has to exist. Part of the success of any intellectual property whatsoever is the hype. The hype has to be built organically. And if the hype starts to die a little bit, it's pretty hard to recover. It's hard to course correct. And it almost is always in favor of profit. I don't think the Wizards is trying to screw us. I don't think they're trying to like take our money dishonestly. Just think like Hasbro's like, hey, we make all this product and it makes money and people buy it. Keep making more of it. Right. Why wouldn't why wouldn't they tell them to do it? Yeah. And I think they're in a rock and a hard place. Right. Like Baldur's Gate is a great example. Baldur's Gate wasn't as hype as other sets are. And it's being panned now, like it, to to like almost in, like not in defense of wizards, but like in uh, against other creators, <laughs> love all of you, uh, like you you can't be. It's like it's hard to be mad at like not everything is for me, but when something isn't for me, I complain about it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> is is like a bad move. <laughs> oh, right. uh, like, you know, Baldur's Gate wasn't powerful enough. Or if you're not a commander player, there's nothing really for me to pay attention to because there's no hot reprints in it or whatever. Good. Now you don't have to make content about it. But then people are like, wait, but this set's not for me. Why? Why is it doing so badly? Why is it only $70 a box for a set that was supposed to be more premium? And it's like, because it wasn't for everyone. Yeah, I don't know. I Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I I think that there's a way to balance this release schedule. I think if they go any more than this, it just will collapse. Um, and I'm a little worried about the like magic beyond sets and how they're going to fit in the schedule of things. Um, and I'm a little worried about the 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 just like the world at large and how it's affecting it. Right. Like shipping logistics is already affected this year. I do think one of the other reasons that Baldur's Gate didn't do well is it like wasn't a must have value set. And right. people right now are, you know, gas is, uh, it was a hundred dollars to fill my tank two days ago. So, so like, I'm not spending as much money as I'm going to spend. And, you know, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it on something like double masters where it looks like I'm going to make my money by opening a pack or I have a chance of like winning the lottery versus Baldur's Gate, which is like, oh, I'm going to open this to have a fun limited environment or I can buy singles. I need for my commander deck and move on. And and I think that's that's which if you're going to buy singles, use our code on channelfireball.com. The MMCast. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, so so, um, uh, you know, I think that's the last bit is like I think like lottery tickets go bad, go up in a, in a bad economy, right? Like like you, the lottery does better when the economy is worse. And but like so I think double masters is doing really well is partially a sign of that alongside Baldur's gate doing badly is also a sign of like, Oh, I don't need to buy Baldur's gate. Why would I spend money on it? Yeah. When people are more desperate, they want to gamble. Yeah. And classic human nature, right? Like I, I can own a $1,400 card by opening up a, a, a pack of double masters. I can't, I probably will not make my money back in any card I could open in, in, in Baldur's, Baldur's gate. gate. And yeah. so uh, at most I might double my money, not, not, whatever 1400 divided by five is. <laughs> uh, 
So I think that's part of it. I think like, like economically that, that, that also affected these two sets, but um, that's a little bit of a downer note to end the podcast on, but I, I do want to thank uh, our, you know, our, our, our home and sponsor channel fireball. I want to thank uh, alter sleeves, uh, please. Once again, um, uh, if, if, uh, you care anything about Roe v. Wade being being overturned and, and how disastrous that is? Uh, there's there's uh, links below to donate to to help people out. Um, uh, Olivia did a stream last week, but because uh, this is really being released on Tuesday, but then also uh, we'll, we'll be doing a stream next week to help support the cause as well. Uh, uh, I'm on TikTok making content all the time. Please follow me there. Ben is doing a road show of music extravaganzas. Ben, where can people find you next? Ben Maven Media is my social, and I am. Uh, by the time you guys hear this, I will be gearing up to go on a three a three show leg of the tour. I'll be in Orlando, and I'll be in Atlanta, and then I'll be in Nashville. Uh, Orlando is a slightly bigger show. Atlanta and Nashville are both very private; they're very small. Um, every one of these shows is like a one-on-one kind of meet and greet situation. Um, Nashville is. I'm recording the show. It's in a recording studio in a live room. I'm going to be putting one of the tracks on the album, so you can be there for that. Um, but yeah. BenMatementour.com is the best best place to find it. And if you can't make it, I the tour shirts, while supplies last, are on sale on that very same site. Um, BenMatementour.com, you can find them. I have sizes from small to 2XL, and uh, you can commemorate the experience. So thanks for those that I did see on the road this last couple of weeks. I'll see you guys out there. All right. Thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, guys. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.